all stand together. Sing to the King. Sing to the King who is coming to reign. Glory to Jesus, the Lamb that was slain. Life and salvation, His empire shall bring. Enjoy to Let us sing a song. Come, let us sing a song. A song declaring that we belong to Jesus. He's all we need. Live up a heart of praise. Sing now with voices raised. Sing to the King, sing to the King, sing to the King, sing to the King. Amen. gospel is one that needs to be repeated over and over again because we forget so many times why Jesus came and why he is indeed the king. So we're going to sing it again this morning. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness 
Lord, we thank you for your great salvation. And we want to we want to claim your victory and your love for us. And so we hide now, Lord, and we, we are still before you. Even as the psalm says, be still and know that I am God. I will be still and 
particularly want to point out the um, Promised Land Children's Ministry that continues to need help, so um, please uh, consider that and pray about that. Well, even though it's September, we're already thinking about Christmas. In fact, as Christians, we think about Christmas every day and every Sunday. So Operation Christmas Child um, is going to be coming soon, so we're asking that you start saving your shoe boxes and the things that you want to put into the box for children around the world. Well, the amazing race is coming, and I don't mean the TV show. What I'm talking about is the park. Um, they're going to be having uh, their activity Saturday, September 24th, from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Um, so get ready. They're going to meet at Barnes & Nobles back here in uh, Woodbridge Village Center. Uh, they're going to be providing dinner, so you'll need to RSVP on the evite that's been sent out by Ben. Speaking of RSVPs and invites, uh, I'd like you to pull out the, what is this, aqua, is this aqua blue or something like that, uh, insert. 
And um, Kenny wanted me to remind you that you will need to RSVP uh, again on the um, invite that's been sent to you. And uh, tomorrow is actually the last day because they need to order food. So we wanted to know uh, the amount of food that should be ordered. So please help us out by uh, RSVPing so that we can get the right amount of food. Prayer fellowship uh, coming up Friday, September 30th. This is our monthly uh, prayer fellowship on the last Friday. We're going to meet, as usual, in Irvine Presbyterian Church, which is uh, just down the street. P70, uh, which is the outreach that we have to international students, is going to be uh, having their first meet and greets Sunday, October 9th, 3 o'clock at Alfred and Susan's house because it's right there on main campus for them. So um, come and uh, befriend a pair of international students. And if you want more information, contact Trey. You have his email there. Couples Garden is uh, coming up on Friday, October 14th, 6.30 at Deerfield Community Park. And speaking of Couples Garden, uh, I understand that there's going to be a Couples Garden planning meeting right after church today. So for those of you who are supposed to be there, uh, just a reminder. And then save the date for our next church business meeting on Friday, October 28th uh, at 6 o'clock at Journey Christian Church, which is on the other side, uh, down the street, um, for everybody to come and get an update about what's going on with church activities. While we have a special treat this morning, a... um, Old friend coming back to share with us uh, about his, or actually I should say their ministry activities since now they're a family. So let me pass the mic on over. Now they're a family. Thanks, Alman. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Shang En. Um, I am on staff with Crew, uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, and I specifically work with Epic, our Asian American ministry. And we work through Asian American churches, uh, students, and faculty to help bring the gospel of Christ to others. Um, and I, you know, was a member of this church for, for nine years, but I can't believe it's already been four years since I've moved away. Um, but definitely, it's always been a blessing to be able to come back and visit and to see some of the new faces as well as uh, the many old faces um, in order to share. You. I'm calling. No, no one's old here. Um, you know, one of the great joys of ministry that uh, Shin Yu and I have, have committed to is helping to disciple our students through different seasons of life, even after they've graduated. And uh, yes, Amanda and Fred are not Asian American, um, but we do have non-Asians in our, in our ministry. Uh, but these are two former students of ours from, from St. Louis um, who I had the honor of officiating their wedding, and Shin Yu ended up being their, their wedding coordinator. Um, so it was just a really sweet moment to be able to journey, continue to journey alongside with them um, and that's, you know, this, that was the beginning of, of this calendar year. Um, so it was really fun and sweet time to be able to walk along our students. And this isn't the first wedding that I've done, but it is the first for some of our former students. Um, one of my main campuses this last school year uh, was UC Berkeley, which is a lot of fun for me because Berkeley is my own alma mater. Um, and they've definitely had some, some 
both interesting challenges and opportunities. At our fall retreat last year, we had two students come to faith. And so a lot of this last year was really about growth and development, uh, both in terms of the, from the beginning of faith, but also as leaders. And what does that look like? The highlight of our year uh, for Shinyu and I was really during spring break, we had the entire Berkeley group come over to our place um, for overnight to do a retreat to explore the city, uh, both the challenges and opportunities. Because, you know, San Francisco, as you hear stories, on one side, it's, you know, be, all these people are investing a lot of money, things are becoming more expensive, but then you still see a lot of crime and drug deals that are happening, even in broad daylight in certain places. And what does that mean for our students to love God now as students, but also as a, you know, in the workplace? Uh, what does it look like for them to love their coworkers, um, as well as the city in which they live in. Um, and then this summer, one of the other highlights of my year um, was the summer I was training a summer missions team to Southeast Asia um, on the front end. And on the back end, I got to join them in country for about a week uh, doing some missions with them. And the pictures um, down here is kind of from their last night with their students and where they got to wash the feet and serve their disciples, those who had come to faith during the summer. Um, it was a really sweet time to be able to see the fruit of their labor. Um, over the course of, of six weeks, they saw uh, 15 students come to faith, and so it was really fun for them to be able to serve them in, in a new way. Um, and I know that, you know, I've definitely appreciated the prayer support um, of this church, and for a long time, it was, it was for me to get married and we've been married for, for over three and a half years now, but kind of the next step um, is coming early to next year, uh, we're expecting. Um, so it has been and continues to be a huge pl- uh, blessing and, and, and joy to have been able to you know, do life and, and journey through the different stages of life um, with, with you guys as a church and do you know, we, I, I know people have been praying for, the, for us, you know, for this step for, for some time. And, and now that we've kind of settled where we are and we'll be able to stay, you know, where we are for some time, it's been kind of now the time. Because four, year, four years ago I left, we went to St. Louis, came back to California two years ago. So we've just been moving and transitioning. Um, but we continue to believe and trust for what God is going to do both in us personally um, and also in our ministry. But some prayer requests. Um, one, that... Or, you know, baby would continue to grow uh, healthy and strong, that the checks would be good. Um, both last year I shared that Shinju had been struggling with some health things, and I've been ser- having certain things as well, um, that we're both doing better, but still uh, pray for our health, continuing health, especially as we're preparing for a baby. Um, third thing, one of our students from Berkeley this summer, her mom passed away. Um, so there's still a lot of adjustment as she's grieving and, and addressing to the realities of her no, her mom no longer being uh, with us or with her. Um, fourth, that as, you know, San Francisco is expensive, but also a baby, as you, many of you know, babies are expensive. And so just as a continued support raise in order to uh, meet the financial needs of our growing family. Um, and then also last, as we continue to work with churches and volunteers to help s- you know, uh, disciple the students that are in our ministry because we're never going to have enough staff in order to disciple all the students that we um, are involved with us. And so just want to say thanks for the opportunity to come and share. Thank you for your prayers and your support. Um, if you have any questions, I think I'm still in the directory. If, if yeah, um, But that's also my information above. Thanks.
meet with them on Friday, and um, she, they told me that she was pregnant. I said, how are you doing? And she says, I'm all right. It's been a sort of a hard first um, five, five months. And um, but I said, well, how about the food? How's that going? And she goes, well, I have um, three food groups that I eat from. Um, and the first one is Cheetos. And, um, and uh, the other one was milk tea. This baby's going to come out looking orange. <laughs> <laughs> and fruit. Um, but if you have a chance to t- talk with them later, to encourage them, both as uh, preparing for parenthood and also in their ministry, uh, we want to pray for them right now in these ways. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for Shang-Yan and for Xinyu. We thank you, Father, for your faithfulness to them and for your faithfulness to us in bringing uh, Shang-Yan down here um, over a dozen years ago to help us to begin a, a college outreach to, to care for college students and to reach those that don't know Jesus. We pray now, Lord, that as he is in the Bay Area, in San Francisco and in Berkeley, that you would continue to help him to have wisdom, vision, passion, and also skills that come from the Spirit to serve you in a mighty way. Lord, he has some dreams. And to be able to connect people in churches and through the ministry of Epic for discipleship, to be able to help them to grow in Christ, to share the gospel. We thank you for Xinyu, who loves to share the gospel with her students as she has an opportunity at UCSF and as she serves you in caring for the needs of the poor. We pray, Father, that you would help them in this way. Protect them. We pray for the baby inside of her to grow strong and to be healthy. And we pray for your arms of love to continue to surround them and bless them with all their needs, the needs to care for students like this one who is grieving, their needs to care for their own family financially, and their needs to be able to do the ministry in the way that you have gifted them and called them to do. And so, Father, we lift them up to you, and we ask you to continue to watch over them, and we thank you that we can share in their lives and in their ministry. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as Pastor Jerry said, happy Sabbath. Sabbath. And is today the Sabbath? No, no. (laughs) So what are we talking about? I mean, how can we say happy Sabbath if today's not even the Sabbath? Um, What day is the Sabbath? Saturday is yesterday. Um, So then why would we say happy Sabbath? You know, a lot of people think that Sunday is a, a Christian Sabbath, but there's a Jewish Sabbath and that's it. That, that's what it is. On Sunday, we celebrate the Lord and his resurrection. It is a day of worship. It is a day where we give of ourselves to God. But there are certainly and definitely elements of the Sabbath that fall very much into what we do on Sunday. And nothing more than being able to worship God together. And nothing more than being able to be together as a family. And nothing more within this than to be happy. Um, we all have opportunities of being happy. Uh, happy birthday, um, happy at weddings, um, happy at celebrations of graduations, happy for new jobs, happy for being able to buy new things. We, we're happy often, but we can lose the meaning of happy. 
if we don't think about it from the point of view of God, because certainly not all of life is happy, but every Sabbath can be happy as we remember God. And so today we want to see what Jesus teaches us about the Sabbath as we continue to talk about the Sabbath in this series, about what did it mean to stop? That's the word Sabbath means stop, cease, and to not keep going 100 miles an hour, but to slow down to a complete place of rest with God. And God had given to the Israelites the commandment, the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments, is to keep the Sabbath. And in Exodus chapter 31, verses 12 through 14, you have those verses there in your outline. And again, just a reminder that this series, the outline won't have fill in the blanks. They'll just have all the answers there for you. So if you don't want to look at the outline, you can look in your Bible, um, and you can use this later if you do want to keep notes. But Exodus 31, 12 through 14, would you read this out loud with me? Let's say it together. The Lord then gave these instructions to Moses. Tell the people of Israel, be careful to keep my Sabbath day, for the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant between me and you from generation to generation. It is given so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. You must keep the Sabbath day, for it is a holy day for you. Now, the Sabbath was given to the Israelites as a sign, okay, as a sign. And it was given to them as a sign of God's agreement with them or God's covenant. The word sign can mean a beacon or even a monument. It could even be translated as a flag. And so it, it celebrates and it reminds the people of Israel that this is something they are supposed to do because God has given it to them as part of the covenant. And the word covenant means to have a compact with somebody for their good. It is to be in league with other people so that we all benefit together. And so what God is saying to us is that when we keep the Sabbath, according to the sign that he has given, that we are in league with him. And not only that, but we would say that when we are in league with God, we're in a league all of our own. Because this is something that's very different than the world. The Sabbath is that sign. That we stop one day a week to worship God and to enjoy the blessings of what God intends to give us in the Sabbath. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. We're going to talk about that next week. And as um, Solomon was sharing with us, that next week is a great time to invite your friends to come to our Friendship Day. And we're going to talk about the goodness of Jesus and how he is the fulfillment of everything that we want in life. And he's the fulfillment of what a Sabbath day is to be like. And he is the way that we learn how to live life with rest in our souls, even though life is very hard. Jesus here in our passage today in Matthew chapter 12 is trying to teach not only the, the Pharisees, but his disciples about the true meaning of the Sabbath. Now, there were the Pharisees and there were those who didn't understand. They had misinterpreted the law. They had added to the law. They were not living by the scriptures because they were living by traditions and there were clear teachings in the Old Testament that the Sabbath was a day of goodness. The Sabbath was to be a day of freedom, but they had turned it into a day of legalism. 
And that could be the same thing true for you and me too. We could come to church just out of habit, or we could come to church out of legalism, thinking that if we come, we please God more, or that if we come, God will bless us, or worse, if we don't come, something bad will happen to us. If we don't come, then God's going to punish us. Now, that's the way that the Pharisees were teaching people about the Sabbath, but that was never what God's intent. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, you can see it there again. God had just given the commandment to the Israelites that they must keep the Sabbath. But then he also tells them this. Remember, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to obey the Sabbath day. So the context of what God is talking about here to the Israelites is they are on their way away from Egypt. They've received the law while they've been wandering in the desert. And in that law, they were told that they were to stop on the Sabbath, on Saturday, as a day of worship before God. And the reason that they were to do that in this case was because they had once been slaves. They'd been slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years, hundreds and hundreds of years, where they did not even have one Sabbath. They did not have one day off. And God is saying, you remember what that was like. You and your families and you and your children and you and your parents and you and your grandparents you had to work seven days a week as a slave. You didn't get rest. And now I am telling you, I want you to have rest. I want you to have peace. I want you to worship me. You weren't able to worship me when you were in Egypt. You were always under the whip, always under the control of the Egyptians. But now you're under my control. And in my control, there is love. And there is peace and there is hope. And so I want you to have rest, and I want you to be free. I want you to enjoy the Sabbath day with freedom. For us, we would say, I want to enjoy Sunday with freedom. And so that Sunday would be a happy day. And so we may not say, happy Sabbath. We would say, happy Sunday, right? When we were in Israel a few months ago, um, our, our tour guide would teach us some simple little things about the, the Israelite history and also Jewish customs. And so on the Sabbath, when we were there on Shabbat, um, he taught us a song, and I, I won't sing it to you, uh, but it was, it was just Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom. And um, you've probably heard the word Shalom, right? It means peace, but it also means wholeness. And so on the Sabbath, on Saturday, as you're walking around, people say Shabbat Shalom. But I noticed that even on the days that weren't the Sabbath, they would say Shabbat Shalom as a greeting. It was not just a greeting, but it was a blessing. Because when you say Shabbat Shalom to somebody, or you say you're greeting them with peace, you're not just wishing them peace. You are saying to them, I am committed to your peace as well. I am committed to helping you to be the best person you can be. I'm committed to your wholeness. I'm committed to your happiness. I'm committed to your growth in your love for God. And so God wants us to have this freedom to be able to be blessed and to be a blessing to other people. 
But as we read here in Matthew chapter 12, and I'll begin by reading verses 1 through 5, we'll see that not everybody understood that because the leaders of that day, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, were teaching error. They were teaching heresy. And Jesus is going to correct this. And so in verses 1 through 5, we read, At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple desecrate the day and yet are innocent? Jesus is confronting the error of their ways. Jesus is confronting the error of their teaching. The Pharisees had interpreted this law that we've read about the, tenth, the fourth commandment to add to it human understandings, to add legalism to it. They had written actually 39 additional add-ons to what that law meant. And here's just 10 of them, okay? So the Pharisees added 39 add-ons to the law. Here's 10 of them. They could not sow on the Sabbath day. They could not plow. They could not reap. They could not sift. They could not knead. They could not bake. They could not weave two threads. They could not separate two threads. They could not tie anything or untie anything. And those are only the first 10, right? There's 29 more. And so the Pharisees had all of these rules, and one of them there was that they weren't able to reap. So now when we look at this scripture, we see what had happened. Jesus and his disciples, they were walking through the grain fields. They were hungry. And so his disciples began to just grab some of the wheat off the stalks, rub it in their hands, and start to eat the grain. And the Pharisees saw that. And they said, you're breaking the law. You're disobeying God. And Jesus goes to them and says, no, you don't understand. And so he's going to give two examples here from the law itself to show the Pharisees that even the law gives reasons that there are times when you might not have to keep the law exactly. And we might say that there were times where they were able to do something different than the law because the law also commanded something higher than the law. And the first thing that we see that was higher than the law was that God cares about the needs of the flesh of people. God cares about the needs. And so David was there, and the, Jesus is going back to the Old Testament. And you could read this in 1 Samuel chapter 21. David and his men had been given a mission by God. And in that time of serving and in their mission, they got very, very hungry. And so they came to the temple place and they were asking for food. And the priests there didn't have any food to give to them except the food that was in the tabernacle. And so the tabernacle, we have a picture here of the tabernacle. Oh, yeah, okay. We have the picture here of the tabernacle. The tabernacle basically over here, it's, it's just a traveling worship center, okay? And so as they're going through the desert for these 40 years, God had commanded them to build a tabernacle, a place of worship. And when they came to a place of rest where they would stay for some time, they would build this tabernacle and the priests would work there. 
Now, you know, we have to pack up every Sunday our trailer, all right? You know, we think that's a lot of work. But imagine all of this that they had to do. They had to set up this. If you look over here, this is the size of a football field, and this is the size there of the tabernacle. So it's about a quarter the size of a football field. But you can see that there are a lot of things they had to set up, and here was the most important part of the tabernacle. This is the courtyard. This is the, what is called the holy place in the front, and the back is called the holy of holies. But today we want to think about the holy place because this is where the teaching that Jesus has for us is to be understood. And so the next slide will show us what the holy place is. So this is the front when I was pointing there to the holy of holies and the holy place. This is the front part of the, of the sanctuary and it's called the holy place. And within it, we have the Ark of the Covenant. We have an altar of incense. I'm sorry, we have, this is the holy of, the most holy place. The holy place, we have the altar of incense. Here would there be a um, curtain. And here we would have a golden lampstand. And here the priest would set up a table. And upon that table, they would put what's called showbread. And the next picture will show us what that would have been like. And so there would have been a table here. And they would set this up with six loaves in two rows each. So a total of a dozen or 12. And the showbread was a reminder of the people, of their commitment and their com of God's commitment to them as well. And so it was called showbread because it was always to be shown in the presence of the temple or the holy place. And it's also called the showbread or the bread of presence. And what it represented were the 12 breads, the 12 loaves of bread represented the 12 tribes of Israel. It represented them as being invited by God to eat bread that God would give to them. It was an invitation to have fellowship with God. But at the same time, it was also something that the people through the priests were offering to God as a sacrifice. Now, according to the law, only the priests could eat the bread. And they could only eat the bread when they were in the holy place. And so that would have been a travesty to have somebody else eat it. But we see that the priests of that day when David came understood that there was a higher need for this man because he was a man of God and his people. And that need was their human need to take care of the needs of the flesh. And so Jesus is saying that here we have an example, even from Scripture, where the Sabbath laws were not completely held to because there was a higher law. And that higher law was to take care of the needs of the flesh, to take care of the needs of people. But there was also a second need that God wanted the Pharisees to understand, and us as well. And that is that God wants us to have freedom during the Sabbath day to take care of the needs of the Spirit. And so Jesus gives a second example of what is happening here in the, from the Old Testament. And that is when there was an opportunity for, uh, the, um, for the priests to be able to work. They had to work on the Sabbath day. In fact, the law required them to work on the Sabbath day. It's like me, okay? I work on Sundays. And you, you don't think there's anything wrong with that, right? And the priests, well, you, you may think about me that way, but, but as far as pastors working on the Sabbath day or the Sunday, you would understand that that is something that God would expect. And so on the Sabbath day, when the priests were working, that was something that was expected of them. In fact, that was actually in the law. Why? Because there's a higher law. 
And that's the same reason why a pastor serves on Sunday, is so that you might be able to worship God better. And the priests were there to be able to worship God and to lead the people to worship God so that they might have the needs of their spirit met as well, that they would have freedom to enjoy this day of worship, freedom to enjoy the love of God, freedom to enjoy the spirit of what the Sabbath is, not just to feed ourselves in spirit, but also to keep the spirit of the law. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we read these words, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. So the law is something of the heart. And our desire to keep the Sabbath day should be something that comes from our hearts and something that comes from our desires and it meets the needs of our lives. We have fellowship with each other. We eat together. We meet the needs of the flesh. We care for other people that have needs. We also meet together to worship God, to learn more of his word, to encourage and pray for each other, to meet the needs of the Spirit. So the Sabbath day is a day where we are taking care of the greatest needs of our lives, the need to be near to God. And when we come near to God, what do we find? We find that Jesus is going to teach us that the Sabbath is a day where we find God's mercy. We find God's mercy. In verse 6 and 7 of Matthew 12, Jesus says, I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. Jesus is quoting from the book of Hosea. And in Hosea chapter 6, the Bible says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. Now, sacrifice is very important in the Christian life. We sacrifice our time to serve other people. We sacrifice our lives to God. But God is saying there's something even more than that. And that is that I want you to receive my mercy. And I want you to give mercy to other people. I want you to be able to care for people and do the right things for people. That's more important. So like, for example, if I was on my way to church this morning and I got a, a phone call, okay, and I stop and I answer my phone and it's, it's, I find out from a friend that, that my daughter is sick. She's very sick and she's in the hospital. And so I need to get to Santa Barbara right away. And so I tell my friend, I go, well, you know what? Hey, I, I'm on my way to work. And so I'm going to go to work, and after I finish at church, I'll, I'll come on out. Would that be very loving towards my daughter? Oh. So as I get a phone call on my way to work, okay, I'm coming here. I get a phone call that one of my parents is really, really sick down in San Diego. We don't know, you know, how long they're going to last, so we want, want you to get down there right away. And so I go, well, you know, hey, i got to go to work, right? You know, i got to preach and got to take care of things at church, and after refreshments, I'll, I'll go on down. And be with my parents. You go, that's stupid, right? Right? That's unloving. That's wrong, even. Because the spirit wouldn't be that I have to work on Sunday all because of my job. You would understand, right? You'd be happy, right? No sermon. You know, be able to just come and sing and, and worship God and enjoy some fellowship. But you would understand why I went because there's a higher law than just me working. And Jesus is saying there's a higher law here, and this law is one of mercy. And so we see him actually doing it. Because remember, there's a man there with a shriveled hand. And so in verse 9, we read this, going on from that place. 
he went into their synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into the pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. It's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. God wants us to receive his mercy. God wants us to see that just as a person would rescue a little sheep, that it is right to be able to rescue people and to help them. As a day of mercy from God, we are to rest so that we can be restored, so that we can celebrate and serve God, so that we can care for others, so that we can receive his healing. We can receive his blessings. There's a quote there in your outline by a Bible commentator, William Hendrickson, and he says this, The Sabbath was instituted to be a blessing for man, to keep him healthy, to make him happy, and to render him holy. God wants us to receive the Sabbath day with health, with happiness, and with holiness. I I began to understand the meaning of this about 20 years ago. And at that time, I was having a very hard time in ministry. I was at a different church, and there were a lot of problems in the church, and I was having a lot of problems with people. And I, I would take one day off a week. So I'd work six days. I'd just take one day off a week. I don't remember what day it was, but probably Monday. And what I would usually do is I would do gardening on Mondays. And, and that was sort of my outlet of, of enjoying the day off. But as I was doing my gardening more and more during that year of, that, of my life, 20 years ago, I was having such a, a, a hard time even enjoying the gardening. You know, I'd be cutting the roses and I'd be cutting the flowers and I'd be thinking that I was cutting off the heads of the elders. I'd be mowing the lawn. I'd be mowing the lawn and I'd be seeing weeds and I'd be thinking I was mowing over those people at church that didn't like me. Okay. That is a loving shepherd. There is something, now it took me a while actually to realize there was something wrong. That's how bad it was. I assure you, I don't feel that way about our elders here. (laughs) And so I, 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 I knew something was wrong. And so I went to a beach, and that's the picture of the beach. It's Santa Ventura Beach down in Ventura County. And I just started going down there on Mondays. And I didn't even really know why. I would just go there, and I would just walk along the beach. I would just sit there and stare at the waves. And I I just didn't understand what was going on in my life. But I knew it was wrong. I wasn't happy. I wasn't healthy. And I wasn't holy. Holy means to be set apart. And so remember, this was the commandment of why they were to keep the Sabbath, because the Sabbath day was holy. Holy just means set apart. I was not set apart doing what God wanted me to do in the right way. My health had been affected, and I desperately needed a Sabbath, but I didn't know that. 
And yet it was through that time that I began going week after week after week. And as I sat upon the beach and as I began to think, what was it that God wanted? Remember the, um, the story of footsteps? And it was really popular like 40 years ago. So if you're too old, you don't, I'm too young, you don't remember this. It was a story about a man who said that he was walking with God and, and he was walking like on the beach and, and then he was thinking about Jesus and he was thinking that, you know, there are times when, when he walked along the beach that he was looking back and Jesus was by his side and then suddenly there was only one set of footprints. There was no longer two sets of footprints and this man was just so upset at Jesus he said, Jesus, look, I look back at my life, and you used to be with me, you used to walk with me, and we get to this place, and now there's only one set of footsteps. You just disappeared. You just left me alone to suffer and, and to be unhappy. And then Jesus said to him, no, my child, I didn't leave you. It was at that time that I picked you up and I carried you. And that's why there was only one set of footprints. I remember thinking about that. I was, I was sitting on the beach, and I'd gone for a walk, and I just sat down, and I thought, oh, that would be so cool. What if I turn around and, and I see my footprints, you know, inside? So I turned around, and there were absolutely no footprints, okay? The waves had come up and wiped out all the footprints. And I said, great. Great, I'm just alone. Right? And there even no footprints. What God was saying to me at that time is that I am with you. You are not alone. And I began to seek out God more and more in that season of my life. And it literally turned into a season where I ended up leaving the church and taking a break and going back to school to study about the Sabbath. And I wrote my dissertation on the Sabbath as I took that break. And God helped me to understand it, yet it began in a season of brokenness, in a season of unhealth, in a season where I lacked a dearness to God that I was supposed to have, and I wasn't loving people the way I was supposed to love them. But God didn't give up on me, and he won't give up on you. And he's inviting you to have the freedom to go to him and to enjoy the Sabbath day and to know his mercy is there. Maybe you don't have a shriveled hand. Maybe you have a shriveled heart. Maybe you have a shriveled relationship. And Jesus has the authority to help you in this, but we must go to him because he is the only one who can help us. And so this is our third and final point, is that the Sabbath is about Jesus. That's what I learned when I turned around and there were no footprints. It wasn't about me. It was about Jesus and his authority. And we read there in verse 8, for the Son of Man, and that's Jesus speaking about himself, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And then in verse 13 and 14, and then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Think about this. It is because Jesus kept the Sabbath the right way that the murder plot on him began. 
And we are going to go through difficult times. And we might think it's unreasonable to keep the Sabbath day. It's unreasonable to keep a holy day. And yet Jesus is teaching us that that is what we need even more than life. We need to be with him who has the authority to give us the rest we need. And he loves us so much. He cares about you so much that he is willing to die so that you could have Sabbath rest. He's willing to suffer on the cross so that you and I can be healed from shriveled hands, from shriveled hearts, from shriveled relationships, from shriveled dreams, from shriveled financial situations, from shriveled brokenness that comes into each and every person's life at one time or another. Jesus wants us to keep the Sabbath day so that we can draw near to him. He has the authority to heal. He is Lord. He is given the authority because he is God's son. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, the Bible says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. There are, these are a shadow of things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The Sabbath day, Paul is telling us here, was a shadow of the things to come. In other words, the fulfillment of the Sabbath day comes in the light of Jesus Christ. It is the fulfillment of all of our needs to go near to Jesus, to spend time with him, to worship him, to be near to him, We will never regret, we will never regret keeping a Sabbath day. But we may often regret not doing so. The spirit of the Sabbath is that we offer ourselves to God in love because he loves us. God is love, and Jesus is God, and Jesus is love. Max Lucado, in a quote, talks about God's love, and he says this, Water must be wet. A fire must be hot. You can't take the wet out of water and still have water. You can't take the heat out of fire and still have fire. In the same way, you can't take the love out of God and still have him exist, for he was and is love. See, we often don't think of authority as love. We often think of authority as somebody like a policeman or somebody with a whip or somebody who, who hangs over us with, with power. And if we don't do what they say, they're going to make us pay. But Jesus is like turning that around and he's saying, I want to give you through my authority the okay. I want to give you the freedom to have a day of rest. I want to give you the blessing of a day that you dedicate to me, to be separate, to be holy, to regain your health, and to be happy, to enjoy it, to have a happy Sunday, to have a happy Sabbath, so that we can enjoy everything that he died, so that we could have 
that we would be able to enjoy all of that which is mercy, all of that which is love, all of that which is restorative, living a Sabbath way of life. Yes, we have one day a week we set aside for Jesus, but it's a pattern for every day, a pattern for spending more time with Jesus in his word, a pattern for a time of conversation with Jesus, a time with people to encourage them. And so I encourage you, that even as we think about it throughout this series, think about it throughout the week, that you might have a Sabbath rest because Jesus loves you, because God loves you, and he wants you to always be restored in him. He wants you to know his presence, the most important presence of life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the goodness that you give to us that we don't deserve. We thank you, Lord, that you came to earth to show us, to teach us, to reveal to us in person the importance of the Sabbath. Lord, we pray that we would enjoy this day. We pray that we would know it in joy. We pray that we would be blessed in it because you are the blessing. Lord, help us as we partake in communion now to know your love, to know the new covenant so that the old covenant sign was the Sabbath. And in the new covenant, Lord, we are reminded through your blood and through your body of your presence with us. So, Lord, we pray that even in this time, we would bring honor and glory to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Father, forgive them. And so as we hold the bread and as we hold the juice, we remember our Lord his whole life. But remember in the bread his body, which is given for us. Let us partake together, remembering our Lord. And after Jesus had taken the bread and given it to his disciples, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. For as often as you eat the bread and as often as you drink the cup, you proclaim, you proclaim me. You proclaim my coming, you proclaim my coming back. Let us partake together in remembering our Lord's blood. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you that even a mustard seed of faith is acceptable to you that we come, Lord, with this faith in taking the bread and in taking the cup and in remembering Jesus' death for us, but also knowing that he is the resurrection and the life and that we too have this hope in heaven waiting for us. So, Lord, we give you thanks and we give you praise in this day that you have blessed us with your Son. In his name, amen.
continue worshiping the Lord together and finish out our worship service and our Sabbath. Ushers are going to come forward and we're going to give back to the Lord as part of our worship. We're going to close with this hymn. It's a call to everybody who's hurting.
Let us pray. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen and amen. God bless your day.